Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sons of Sequoia podcast. SOS number 14. Our 14th episode. It's Tuesday, so that means that it's Movie Tuesday. Movie Tuesday. Uh, should I play the Movie Tuesday theme song? I think we should. All right, let's let's do it. Here we let's go. Oh, what happened? Where did it go? It went away. It's time for Movie Tuesday. Okay, what are we talking about on today's Movie Tuesday? Uh, well, we picked this uh, movie called The Vast of Night. That's right. The Vast of Night. Yeah, it was released, I guess, last year. Uh-huh. What, did yeah. you, what are your initial thoughts of it? No, the release date was 29 May 2020. Oh, okay. So, yeah. It was well, less than a year ago. It was released ago. last year. Yeah, less than a year ago. What did you say the second the movie ended? <laughs> if I remember right, I said, that was a dumb ending. Yeah, he said, that was dumb. That was a dumb ending. But you kind of like the movie now, thinking back on it? Well, uh, actually, at the, at the, the second thing I said was, it was well done. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the story was told well. I mean, it, it was interesting. It was engaging. I mean, yeah. It was entertaining, but the st- the ending was dumb. And actually, I guess we should spoiler with it. If we're going to talk enough about it, we'll be talking about the ending. If anyone wants to watch it, yeah, they don't they don't want to know what the ending is. We're going to be talking about the ending. Mm-hmm. I read some reviews since we were going to review it, and one of my favorite lines was, uh, "Story wasn't great, but the storytelling was." And I think that's kind of a good assessment of what was going on um it's a very sort of bland ordinary story with an unsatisfying ending as far as you were concerned i mean i thought there's only so many ways they can end this and they just chose one so i sort of respect them for that but i thought the middle where they had these long scenes that were mostly dialogue driven they were the best parts of the movie they were very good yeah yeah, the, the, the movie was, was entertaining. It was well done. By the way, just to set up uh, for people who have not seen The Vast of Night, because it was released less than a year ago, is that uh, it was set in a 1950s ta- uh, town, in a uh, small town in um, New Mexico. And they kept hearing the small town had a, had a basketball game and everybody went to the basketball ga- game to the in this small town in the 50s, a high school, high school basketball game. And uh, if you're if you've ever familiar with small towns back in the 50s and 60s, that's what they would do. Everyone would go there and nobody would be in town except just a few people who couldn't go. Uh, and uh, the radio uh, DJ kept hearing strange noises. And then the uh, uh, phone telephone operator, the old fashioned plug in uh operator uh, kept hearing interruptions and strange sounds over the over the radio and even the, the phone and the electricity would come and go uh, and then we get call, calls so there that's kind of the setup and then the drama starts mm-hmm. and it does capture you doesn't it it does yeah should we watch the trailer yeah let's watch the trailer okay um All right, I'm queuing up the trailer. Takes me a second. Here's the trailer for The Vast of Night. Number, This is WOTW Radio in Cayuga, New Mexico, and this is the news for the hour. Uh, what would you like to tell us about yourself? I don't know. Well, aren't you like some big science girl? Tell me about science. Edward, it's Faye. I'm a sound came through the board and interrupted your radio show. What does it sound like? Uh, 
718 here at WOTW. We got a sound we'd like to play that seems to be bouncing around the valley tonight. Yes, I have a story that might be helpful. I can tell you what's going on. The sound we heard out in the desert. It was coming from thousands of feet higher than anything could fly. They've come here before. They've liked this place. They always have. we go that's the trailer that's the trailer yep and it is exciting it's exciting from the beginning all the way through well the first part was kind of uh different because it wasn't exactly like that but this is the middle and the end and it, it was well done yeah the trailer makes it seem like the whole thing is a thrill ride but it's not it's uh um, no. well first of all like you said the movie starts off and there's these long shots in the high school gymnasium as people get ready for the uh the game, and everyone, there's a lot of crosstalk. Everyone's talking over each other. You can't really tell what's going on. I found it annoying. I sort of started to tune out. But I think the point of that was not to give you any context or expo- um, exposition. It was to show it's a small town. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody will be at the basketball game. Still have YouTube on. No, I don't. Well, I'm seeing it. I know no. I, I oh. use OBS as my webcam. I can I control the broadcast and sometimes it seems like it gets screwed up on your end, but it's it's okay on my end. So, I mean, I'm I'm looking at the broadcast right now and I have mm-hmm. the two the two of us. Do you see that? No. Or you just see YouTube? Yeah. Um How about now? You just see YouTube? Nope. Just YouTube. Hmm. Well, I can't, I guess, I don't know. So the YouTube work well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, at the beginning, it was it was kind of like, what are they saying? What are they saying? What are they saying? And uh, I, I, I thought maybe the reason for that is that it was a small town and people were just all, oh, there you go, you got yeah. it. Uh, there was the both of us in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, uh, to me uh, the first part of the movie. Like you say, cross talk. You couldn't understand what they were saying. It's kind of like just like, is this going to be a confusing movie? And we're never going to hear what they say. And uh, it was. I think it was just trying to create a mood. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think that uh, it actually made it more impactful for the first scene that's after that. So. They're in the gymnasium, and then Everett and Faye, those are our two leads. Faye is a 16-year-old high school girl, and Everett's a young guy that runs that is a DJ at the radio station. And they have this scene after the basketball scene where they're interviewing each other on the way to Faye's job at the switchboard and Everett's job at the radio station. And after they part ways, they, so Faye is using her brand new tape recorder and Everett's recording her and they're doing a mock interview. And that scene, I found that a little bit annoying, but there's a, what they do is they do these long tracking shots as they walk through the small town, Cayuga, New Mexico. And I think it's sort of showing off, like, look at how long our shots can be. You know, these are unbroken, uh, moving shots that, so it's kind of like we're filmmakers look at us. I kind of felt like that was uh, the point of some of those early scenes. Very long shots that with the cameras always moving. But then Faye gets into her job at the switchboard. And it's a long scene with just a single shot of her working the switchboard. And I thought that's when the movie started to get good. 
She mm-hmm. kept hearing the sounds. She would route the sound from one place to the next. She was talking. People would call in on the phone. Their voice disappeared. Um, and then, of course, she calls Everett, and they route the sound into the radio station. And then they take this long shot, and I saw them on a video, the director saying they borrowed a go-kart from a kid in the small Texas town where they shot. And they strapped the camera to the go-kart, and they had the go-kart drive across the small town where they were shooting. And that's how they got the shot of basically a rolling shot from the switchboard to the radio station. I thought that was pretty cool. And then Everett has a long conversation with Benny, the vet, um, sort of giving him some context on what's going on. And that scene was great, too. I thought the three best scenes were Faye's switchboard scene, Everett's scene with Benny, and the scene with the old lady. And those were the longest, like most expositionary scenes, and nothing really happened action-wise in those scenes. But they moved the story along, and they were the most compelling parts of the movie, as far as I was concerned. The director was saying that uh, the scene where Everett was reeling and unreeling and reeling and unreeling a reel-to-reel tape recorder, an old-fashioned tape recorder. I used to have one. And it takes a while to reel it, make sure that it catches, and then you turn it on. And so he kept reeling it and listened to it, stopping and then taking and put another one on while they're having dialogue. And that was an uncut uncut scene. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, I was impressed with how well Everett, which the guy's name was Jake Horowitz, how he actually did it. He was actually threading a reel-to-reel uh, tape recorder. Of course, it was a stand-up. It was, it was kind of like a modern one back in the 50s. I don't know if they had that back in the 50s, but they had the old big clunky ones. Uh, I remember in the 50s, but they would wound it up and then, then they'd take it off and put another one up. Well, they were talking while he and Faye were talking. Oh, yeah, at the radio station? Yeah. 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 That was pretty cool. I go, hey, he's pretty good at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's doing a good job. Because I used to have a big clunky one like this, reel to reel, I used to play. Yeah. Maybe the. In fact, actually, in the 60s, actually. Maybe the uh, radio station had a more advanced one. Like, he's telling Faye, like, your recorder's just a toy. I want to bring mine. It's more broadcast quality. And I thought yeah. their relationship was interesting. They, uh, you know, at the end of the movie, I guess we could go into spoilers. The part that you didn't like, they get abducted by aliens. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah, but it's it's interesting, too, because at the beginning of the movie, she was just a high schooler. Uh, the switchboard operator, he was, he, she was 16, that came out of the movie. He was like in his mid-20s or early 20s, and he was uh, the, the uh, uh, radio disc jockey uh, playing songs, you know. Uh, but then she would hear things and give it to the radio station, and so then they connected. And so that was just, just a young girl and a young guy connecting. Mm-hmm. And they were maybe, I don't know, maybe... 10 years apart in age, but she was just a kid and he was just a young, young man. But as you say, their, their relationship changed. There was no romance or anything. It was just very curious. And both of them, uh, very curious, wanted to find out what was going on. Mm -hmm. So they came together for a, this joint, uh, common, uh, desire of what, what is this sound? What's going on? Why, why are these people so upset on, on the uh, phone? And uh, why are things cutting out? And so they came together to try to find this mystery. And, and it was all the way through to the end. And uh, toward the end, uh, I guess, there are people who were disappearing. And uh, Faye went and grabbed her older sister. I forget the little baby's name. But yeah, at the last... That part, remember? I don't remember the baby's name, but... Uh, yeah, she has. That's her niece, I guess, the baby. I think. I think what was said is her older sister. Well, or maybe it was a. I don't know. The don't baby. Was, the baby was her older sister. That's that's what one of the, one of the things I read said. Who was that baby? They said it was her older sister that she had to, in the final scene. Her older sister's baby. Her older sister's baby. Yeah, her niece. Yeah, her niece. Okay. Her older sister's baby, because her older sister wasn't taking care of the baby, so she ran and grabs the baby while they go out uh, to this field uh, to encounter these uh, aliens, this alien ship. Yeah, 
But I mean, her well, older sister standing. can't be a baby. No, 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 no. no I, I'm, I'm excited about it. <laughs> I guess. But, but what I'm trying to get at is the final. I thought was interesting. The final scene is that you have uh, a young man, and then a young woman standing next to him, and that young woman has a baby, mm-hmm. and he has his arm around her, standing there watching the ship. And it says, well, you know, they're not really together. That's not really her baby, you know. But nevertheless, that trio is abducted as if it was a family. As far as the aliens knew, that that was fine with them. Yeah. You know. I thought the baby, I that part didn't track for me. I mean, I guess there's a scene at the beginning where she's talking to her sister and her sister cuts out on the line. And then... She, Later on, she remembers about the baby, and she runs and gets it. And but the whole explanation for why she was running around with the baby at the end, I, it was sort of lost upon me a little bit in the storytelling. Me too. Uh, again, I, I was thinking about. It. I only watched it once. Mm-hmm. I think it's the kind of movie that that it was well uh, well done, it, it, and it, and uh, I, I would recommend someone watching it. Uh, it's a different kind of movie. Um, but, uh, there's a lot of things happen in the movie that you miss. Yeah. And if you watch it again, you'd pick things up. Like why, uh, did, uh, Faye's sister abandon the baby? You know, why was the baby? And why did she go back for it at that time? But you know, I don't know. Didn't the sister get abducted by aliens too? Is that the I implication? Oh. That's the implication. That's what I need to look at it again to see. Is that what happened? You know? mm-hmm. So you miss miss little bits and pieces of it. There was a lot going on, uh, but the main theme was with was, was Faye and Everett coming together trying to find this mystery, and uh, they they found it. Mm-hmm. They certainly did, and it uh, it cost them their lives. I, I guess they wanted to get out of the small town, and they they did that. But, that was one thing I was thinking of in the movie and the dialogue between Faye and and Everett. Uh, you know, Faye said, "So Everett, uh, uh, do you do you want do you want to do you ever want to leave uh, Cayuga?" He goes, "Oh yeah, I want to go. I want to do good radio." He kept saying, "Good radio. I want to do good radio. I want to go to L.A. That's where the good radio is." And he says, "Oh, I want to do this story. It's good radio." So part of Everett, uh, the radio operators motivation is good radio because he wants to tell good stories and he wants to do well so he can move out of Cayuga. Mm-hmm. Cayuga. And um, Faye wanted to leave because she just wanted to leave somewhere else, not stay in a small town because she's a young kid. Well, they left all right. They left in a spaceship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. The thing is, you said, you know, they weren't, it wasn't a romantic relationship, but they... Were, uh, you know, a boy and a girl. They had similar interests. They had mutual respect. They, I mean, they had a lot more um, relationship-like attributes that were actually built up and earned. You saw that, you know, in the beginning, it's sort of like Everett's teaching Faye how to use the recorder to record the interview. By the end, you know, Faye's making her own decisions, but Everett's sort of respecting those. Um, they have these conversations about you should go to college, this type of thing. They they built up a, a true relationship, perhaps more so than they do in many romantic movies where it's like, oh, I'm moving back to town, my hometown for the holidays, and you're a candle maker, and I'm a big city lawyer, and we're going to kiss at the end, and everyone's going to clap. Um, <laughs> you know, their relationship was pretty earned. Like, you saw it. Uh, there was a lot of reasons for them to have respect for each other, and... And yeah, it wasn't a romantic relationship, but there was a lot going on between them. Yeah, it was real. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a real. I, I think uh, the the movie was was well done because it was real. It was very believable. Uh, like, yeah, that a sixteen year old girl and a and a, I don't know how old it was twenty six year old young man. You know, back in the fifties, they're not gonna be romantically together. That that. Because back in the fifties, things were pretty darn strict back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, she just didn't do that, uh, and you grew up 
not thinking that way. She's just a kid, you know. And oh, he's he's uh, he's a, he's this this man. Uh, they they didn't have the crushes were on the movie, the TV. Uh, if they had it, because a lot of them were black and white back then, black and white TVs in the fifties. And I'm not sure when it was set. In the early fifties or late fifties, late fifties the color TVs came in. Late fifties is what the synopsis says on IMDb. Okay, so maybe they did have uh, color TV, uh, but then a small town probably wouldn't have because they'd, they'd have black and white. Oh, the old switchboard. You know the switchboard where she kept plugging things in? Mm-hmm. And so if someone calls, they didn't have a dial. You picked it up and you call the operator. It, it, it automatically just goes to the operator. The says, yes, uh, I want to call so-and-so. Okay. Then she plugs into that. Then that rings, and they hold. So you call someone through the operator. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, I grew up in Oklahoma, the small town in Oklahoma, Hominy, Oklahoma. And when I was a kid, they had those kind of phones. That there was no dial. You just lifted it up and talked to whoever the operator was. And the operator could listen in on your phone calls, couldn't they? They could. They could. So we think and Google's they, bad. I mean, Google's much worse, obviously. But and they usually did. <laughs> we think Facebook's bad. I think since the advent of uh, mass or quick communication, mass communication, quick communication, peer-to-peer communication, privacy's never really been uh, the foremost concern. Well, you had two-party lines too, and so you think, oh, you call. Well, two parties will have the same line coming into the switchboard, and so when you, when when this party calls in. Another party could lift up the phone and listen to the phone phone conversation because it was a two party line. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't one phone coming in. It was two phones from two different houses coming in, and one person could listen to the other. It's called a two party line. So they had that too. I'm sure they had that in Cayuga back in the 50s. Mm-hmm. All small towns uh, did because that was an old fashioned type of a uh, switchboard. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. It was very realistic. Yeah, it's uh, the technology sort of played into the the vibe of the movie, the tape recorders, the switchboard, the radio equipment. Um, it it put you there, and it showed you, you know, these kids, they were capable. They had a facility with technology. They were they wanted to get to the bottom of this just because they were curious, and they did get to the bottom of it. But what happened to them was. Uh, Pretty unfortunate in the end. Got a little too close. Uh huh. Yeah. Now you didn't like the scene with the old lady, right? Well, no. The scene with the old lady was fine, uh, but they—I didn't like how the scene ended. They didn't take her with them. They didn't, because she says, "I'll tell you the story." So again, this is going to be a spoiler. She says. I'll tell you the story. I'll tell you what's happening because I know what's happening. This old lady said, but I have a request. And so they said, okay, can we record? Yes. Well, he kind of agreed, uh, kind of like, kind of agreed. Okay, I'll listen to your story and I'll listen to, and I'll do your request. So she told the story. He recorded it. He recorded the story. Everything was right there. And then she says, my request is, I want to go to, I want them to take me so I can be with my boy. Because mm-hmm. her, her son boy. got abducted by aliens, and she's known about the aliens for years, and she says, you know, the aliens have been around forever. They took my son, but my son was uh, saying this incantation when he was younger. My husband used to say it too. And they were going to take my son earlier, and I said this incantation, and he looked up at the sky, and then he didn't go outside. But one night I wasn't watching. I mean, he did go outside and the aliens took him. So if you encounter these aliens, say this incantation. And so not only do they not take the lady uh, to go meet the aliens, he doesn't take the piece of paper with the incantation written on it. Well, he did take the paper. No, he didn't. He had to play the tape, remember? Oh, okay. So in the car, when those people look up, it's because he's playing the tape of... The recording of her saying the incantation. Yeah, and the the driver, not Fair Everett, but the driver, the one who got 
mesmerized and mind control. There was mind control in this too. Mm -hmm. Remember what I said? Let's get back to the very beginning. Remember what I said at the very, very beginning? Like, oh, I wonder if this is going to be like boom, boom, boom. Area 51. Yeah, uh, Twilight Zone, they make the Paradox Theater, they call it. Well, that was the other thing they did, which was very interesting. They had an old black and white TV screen mm -hmm. with, with really uh, fuzzy picture uh, telling the story at the beginning. Yeah, and they cut back to it, too. Sort they kept like, cutting back to it. And at the end, they said, you know, this has been Paradox Theater, sort of like a play-up of the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Well, they had, like, Twilight Zone music, Twilight Zone-type music, and Twilight Zone-type stars in the sky like Twilight Zone used to have. And they had an intro that was like the Twilight Zone at the beginning of the movie, too. You are entering a, an area, an area which is not the same as the real world, blah, 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 blah. It's sort of like a Rod Serling-type thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it sort of set the vibe that, you know... I mean, it, it, this is supposed to be an episode of Paradox Theater... Maybe it sort of softens the blow because it makes you care about the characters and then it rips them away from you. But you sort of can suspend disbelief because you know this is like an old-timey TV show or something. This could be an episode of a show. Yeah. Well, one of, one of the turning points, one of the key turning points, I think, which, which, was, which got Everett and Faye both really engaged into finding the answer was when Billy was on the phone mm -hmm. and Billy was t telling them, he says, well, let me tell you what actually happened. This happened to me and many people when I was in the army. And, and it was so convincing that, that that really got them into it, you mm -hmm. know? And I think, uh, Billy's on the phone. And then later, uh, Blanche, uh, Mabel Blanche got on the phone and then she told her story. He says, come and I'll tell you the story. But see, she wanted them to come to her because she wanted them to take her because she wanted to go back to her son. Mm -hmm. She wanted to be taken by taken by the by the aliens. Yeah, I love both of those scenes: the Billy scene and then the Mabel, whatever the old lady scene. Mm -hmm. um, and when you think about it, those are kind of the most suspenseful scenes in the movie. And, oh, well, then the switchboard scene with Faye, too. Those are the three scenes I like the most. And those are the scenes with the least action. Uh, the scenes where Everett and Faye are running around out in the woods when they're uh, in the car with those two people that were possessed by the aliens. Um, those scenes, to me, weren't as suspenseful as the scenes where just Billy's talking over the radio, explaining, you know, they sent him on a cleanup crew to clean up this weird stuff, and then afterwards everyone got sick. And all the people they sent to clean it up were either black or Hispanic. And, and so there's a little racial stuff in there. Um, yeah, because he said, I, I've been telling this story, but nobody believes me. And ever says, well, why don't people believe you? And he simply says, I'm black. Mm -hmm. You know, and ever doesn't say anything. Else. He goes right on because Billy was right. Because mm -hmm. people didn't believe him because he's black. But he was right. Yeah. So they worked in a little racial stuff. Which is true back in the 50s. Very true. Like if there was a hazardous waste site, they would have hired minorities to go clean it up. Yeah. And so they asked Billy, like, why are you doing this? Said, well, because I'm sick now and I don't have anything to lose. So he helped them find a tape that was in Cayuga and they played it over the radio and then the aliens shut down the radio station. And that sort of sets their, the action in motion. Mm-hmm. Um, Fascinating that they shut down the radio station, but not the uh, the switchboard. I, I th well, I guess you know they have to just do certain things to keep the action of the movie going. Well, the art you could argue that the uh, radio station had radio waves, and they can capture that. The switchboard had a it's wired. dedicated line, yeah, wired dedicated line, and they probably didn't know they didn't know couldn't capture that because it's a dedicated wired line mm -hmm. now i'm a, hypothesizing i, don't I know. have a question about the couple in the car that looked up at the sky when uh everett played the tape so there's an incantation the lady's reading and she says when she read it to her son he looked up at the sky and then he, the trance was broken that was before he got taken well everett's playing the tape of the lady 
And he gets to the part where she's saying the incantation, and both of the couples, the couple, that we saw it in the trailer, when Faye says, Everett, take the wheel, they both look up at the sky. What does that mean? Were they possessed by aliens? Were the aliens communicating with them? Were they bad guys, or were they just... I, what, what's, their, what's their story? And why was it... Why did the couple get get possessed and not Faye and Everett? Yeah. But were the couple sort of, oh, jump in, we're going to go see, there's something in the sky, we're going to go see it. Were the aliens leading Faye and Everett with the, by the couple, using the couple as their henchmen? Yeah, I, I don't, that, that wasn't clear what was happening there. But something about when you had the incantation, incantation uh, it, it engaged them and they could control minds of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, why they picked the two people in the front seat, not the two people in the back seat. It's not clear in the movie. Yeah. I don't know. So there's mysteries. I guess there's enough mystery to keep you intrigued. And we're still talking about it. We saw it a week ago. A week later. I, I know. I never thought I would, but I kept thinking a little about little things. Oh, yeah, this happened. Oh, yeah, that happened. It was it was a well-told story. And it was entertaining. I say it was entertaining. Wouldn't mm-hmm. you? Yeah, definitely. And would I recommend it? Uh, as long as you know what you're getting into. <laughs> I would recommend it's a very good story. They it's very well done. I feel like we The actors are good. I feel like we've spoiled the story, but the story is the least important part of the movie. It's how the story is told that right. really draws you in, sucks you in and makes you think and and yeah, I would say watch it. it's it's great cuz it's a sci-fi movie, but it's not like one of these big budget give you a headache flashing lights sci-fi movies. It it moves slowly but suspensefully towards an ultimate conclusion, and it's only an hour and a half long. So I like that as well. Yeah. Well, actually, you could sum up the movie in two words, alien abduction. And that doesn't mean you you spoil the movie, because it's very well told, Mm -hmm. and it's suspenseful. And it's kind of like, you know, I I watch Hallmark movies. It's kind of like when I start watching a Hallmark movie, the first five minutes, I know how it's going to end. I just want to see how they do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and I can tell you this is an alien abduction, but that's the ending. You want to see what happens between now and then, mm-hmm. and that how and the, the from the beginning to the end, that's the entertainment part. How they developed this was was, and also, as you say, the relationship between Faye and Everett did grow. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I saw interviews afterward because I kind of got into it about um, uh, Faye uh, the the actress the young actress that that played Faye she says she really liked her character because the character developed mm-hmm. from a young a young 16 year old girl and she kind of developed into a, a person a young woman who says started start whatever ever did because he was older started questioning her, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? And she kind of came into her own. Mm-hmm. So the characters in that hour and a half did develop. They did. And, I mean, yeah, the story's not anything special, but the how it was told, that's that's why it's good. That's why it's a good movie to watch. Because that's yeah. what movie movie making is. It's storytelling. And I yeah. enjoyed it. I, I, my, was, my interest was piqued. It was captivated. I was surprised that I, that I enjoyed it. When I saw it, at the very beginning, I thought this is going to be a disaster because it was it was just disruptive. You know, mm-hmm. I couldn't understand what they were saying. I can't get into the movie. What's happening? You know, then all of a sudden you had a boom, uh, a sent, uh, the, the switchboard and then silence. You had time to think. And then she would say, click, click, click. Hello. Click, click, click. Hello. And you had time to think. And all of a sudden, all of that chatter went away, and then the switchboard, and then boom, you got into what is happening. Uh, and actually, I think the beginning was a device uh, to be mayhem. Then all of a sudden, something's happening, mm. and it pulled you right in. It's well done. I I I, I uh, commend them for a well-told story. I think that we've basically covered it. Is there anything else we want to talk about? Because we have a little bit more time. 
uh, whatever, yeah, whatever you want to talk about. I don't know. Let me take a look at today's headlines. Well, I can't wait. I, I, I kind of like talking about movies mm-hmm. uh, because one reason to watch movies is to think about them and to talk about them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have, other, we have so many movies to watch. Well, well, today, what's happening today, David? Um, well, I think they're going to start the second impeachment trial today. I think so, too. Um, but yeah, b- before we go back, yeah, I like talking about movies, and I like the fact that this movie was clearly made. I mean, it had a. Let me see what the budget was. I think they listed on IMDb. Um, they don't list the budget on IMDb. But my, it couldn't have been more than ten million dollars. You know, it was a low budget film. And it was just, it was made into a good film by the power of storytelling. Mm -hmm. Let me see. Vast of Night budget. $700,000, Mikey. Wow. That's... Well, that's a lot of money, but in uh, in the world of movies, that's not very much at all. No, when you think about, you know, these Marvel movies costing $200 million, $700,000, and... Uh, this sort of held your interest just as well as one of those movies did. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Because it was... Actually, it was, it was along the lines of The Twilight Zone. It, uh, I don't know if, you know, if you've seen The Twilight Zone. Uh, sometimes The Twilight Zone kind of gets a little wacky. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting. You don't know how it's going to end. You know, and... Uh, but this one is much more play on character development and characters. Mm-hmm. It's much, much more of the uh, young girl, Faye, and the young man, uh, Everett. It's much more on them, uh, on their two characters trying to find what's happening. Yeah. you know. And I, I guess I never thought of that until we're talking about it now. They found them. The aliens didn't find them. Uh, anyway, the the young two young humans went and found the aliens. Mm-hmm. The aliens didn't find them uh, because all the people talking, uh, the aliens came uh, and uh, and revealed themselves unto them, unto the humans. But uh, so I never thought of that. That's kind of like a little little bit of a twist too, mm-hmm. and uh, you don't think about that. But it did create uh, drama and uh, intrigue uh, and uniqueness in the storytelling. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, different scenes. And uh, uh, also, I, I, I saw uh, interviews of the director, Andrew Patterson, uh, and the and everyone and the producers and um, they said that um, in that small town, uh, it was shot in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that small town in Texas, that and it was a small town. And it was a small town vibe. And they, and they started telling stories. And that was inter- uh, interesting and entertaining to me, how they shot the movie. Where they went in and said, uh, we need to do this to your town. Oh, sure. Come on in. We'll help you, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, they were so helpful and so welcoming and so hospitable. And they go, this is not what it's like in New York City. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, oh, well, how much are you going to pay me? He says, no. He's, at one time they had to spread sand or something. And and so the sheriff came out and helped them spread the sand, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it really, it really was a small town. Another one says we needed something from the hardware store. It's oh sure, you know, all right, just use this and just put it back when you're done. Oh, oh, okay. And by the way, I need to go fix dinner. Here's the keys and just lock up when you're done to, to the store. You go oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, the tracking and, and shot then, from uh, the switchboard to the radio station. They borrowed some kids' go kart and they paid them twenty bucks. Yeah. 
I mean, that's kind of cool that it's sort of like, get it done however you can. Yeah. And the small town vibe, they will, they, they are that way. Mm-hmm. They are that way. Small town, sure. Everyone knows everyone. Uh, and so if anyone does a crime, you probably will find out who it is very quickly because everyone knows everyone. And because uh, I, uh, when I was young, I grew up and there was a young, uh, there, there was a small town that uh, my relatives lived in, uh, in Oklahoma. And it was a small town. And literally, more than once, we would drive into town, drive down Main Street, the small town, drive down Main Street, turn the corner, go in the residential area, and then when we drive into the driveway of my cousin, uh, they're on the front porch waving at us. And they go, oh, hi, we came to visit. Yeah, we know. Says, how did you know? Whoa. Well, so-and-so from the store saw you drive in. They call me and says, your relatives are coming. <laughs> and so we knew you were coming because everyone, they called us and said, oh, your your relatives from the big city are coming to the little town. Yeah. You the know? big city being Tulsa. Big city is Tulsa, Oklahoma. The little town was Hominy, Oklahoma. So we'd drive in there. And a lot of times we'd, we'd drive uh, and uh, we'd go knock on the door. No one would be there. And so my mother says, okay, well, let's go in and see if they're home. So we walk inside and say, hello, we're here. Up, oh, nobody's here. Okay, let me leave a note. And they go in the kitchen, leave a note, say, we came to visit. We'll see you later. Get a drink of water. Then we go home. Mm-hmm. And so no one no one locked their doors back then. This is yeah. back in the 50s. No one locked their doors. That's a small town uh, in, uh, in the rural uh, America. Because mm-hmm. that was Oklahoma. Well, see, this is this is New Mexico. Pretty much the same there, too. Yeah. I mean, so it's probably the same most places. I think even in, like, Levittown, you know, in suburban New York City in the 50s, no one locked their doors. It was... Uh, I mean, people like to idealize rural America, but even in... I mean, as long as you're not in the city, you can be in uh, Pennsylvania or New York. You could be in upstate New York. You know, if you're in Poughkeepsie, no one locked their doors in the 50s. But people like to think about it as like, oh, just in Texas, did they not lock their doors? Like, no, it was everywhere. It was the culture of America that you didn't really lock your doors if you're in the suburbs or, you know, the country. And I think the reason is because in a small town, everyone knew everyone. Mm -hmm. And so everyone was honest. Uh, Would you lock your doors in Tulsa? Yeah. In the 50s? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because there was crime there? Well, yeah, but we didn't know everyone, you know, in a small town, you knew everyone. And so mm-hmm. this is like, like you say, well, Mary, uh, why did you lock your door? I wanted to come in. Why, why would you lock your door on me? Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm your friend. But we didn't know everyone in Tulsa. That's a big city. Mm-hmm. So it, it was different. It, it was different, which is which is uh, interesting growing up. But everyone was honest. Talking about a small town, since we have, like, what, about 10 more minutes? Mm-hmm. Uh, a story I love to tell. My dad, uh, Sequoia, we're going to always tell a story about Sequoia. This is Sons of Sequoia podcast, right, David? That's right. Because we're Sons of Sequoia. About A story about my dad, about honesty. He grew up in a small town. He really, well, he grew up outside of a small town. But anyway, uh, honest, honest, honest. Everyone was honest. You, you don't steal. Uh, you just don't do that. Uh, that's just part of how who you are. And so he ran a grocery store, and he would always build things. And so he'd go to the hardware store to buy things from, uh, I won't na- name the name of the hardware store. Uh, probably doesn't matter. It was just 50 years ago. I'm sure it's Burgess, long, long out of business. Burgess Hardware. So Burgess Hardware. And Burgess was a nice guy. He, he had a hardware, hardware store. And he says, Harper, come on in. Uh, you know, you don't have to really come and pay. And I tell you what, you just take whatever you want and you write down what you take. At the end of the week, you come in and then pay me the money. And he go, okay. So, so everyone knew Harper, my dad, Sequoia. So he'd go in. Hi. Oh, hi. 
So he'd take what he wants, writes it down, and through the through the week he'd take whatever he wanted. But he'd write it all down. And at the end of the week he'd give it to him and says, okay. And uh, he put the prices on there and gave him the money. Okay. And so you think, wow, that's really honest. And I said, well, yeah, that's honest enough. But then after a while, he says, you know, I don't need to see your list. Just give me the money. Mm-hmm. Just give me whatever you took. You figure it out. He goes, okay. I says, well, Daddy, did you ever take things you didn't pay for? He says, he says no, no. I'd always give him. Sometimes I get a little bit more because of tax, you know. Uh, I'd always give him the money. You'd never, uh, you just wouldn't do that. That's just something you wouldn't do. That's how honest they were back then. And so you think, that's really strange in, in this Cayuga small town where people will just let you go in and take things. That's the way it was. Because we knew who you were. We know who you are. We know where you live. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so you just didn't do that. So, so there was crime. But if it's crime, you know who it was. And so you go and knock on the door and say, why did you do that? He says, don't do that. You know, if you need some mask, man, I'll give it to you. So A friend of my dad... Go ahead. Burgess Hardware was started in 1943 by Millard and Laura Burgess. Uh, their son, Raymond, took over the business in 1972. That's Raymond. That's him. And he died in 2012, according to the okay. Tulsa Star. Well, it was in the 70s. Raymond was the guy who did it for Raymond Burgess. That's yep. him. So, yeah, 72, he took over ownership. Uh, so he probably was working at the store before, he, was there in the 60s. before he owned yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But he was friend with my dad. My dad and him were friends. There's Raymond picture, Burgess. That's there's, him. There's a picture of him. No way. There he is. Yeah, it's him. Yeah, it's Ray. Oh, my goodness. That's him. That's that's a Burgess hardware. Look at this. It was almost to the day. February 8th, 2012, his obituary. Wow. Uh, Today's the ninth. That nine, was yesterday. Yeah, nine years ago. Wow. Crazy. I think that it's kind of cool to mention the name of the place and then attach a face to the story. It's like it makes it more real. That's him. That's the guy that would let your dad come in and take whatever he wanted and just write a list of what he took and then pay for it. Yeah. And my dad would never would always pay for everything he took. I'm, he would never shortchange Raymond. Well, I'm sure that Raymond right. Burgess didn't allow people that were sketchy to do that. Well, he was kind of a uh, I, how I re- I was I was younger, but how I remember it, uh, Ray would not do that to people. You saw how much stuff he had in the store. I mean, he was right on top of you. It was easy to steal from him, and he was not going to let you steal from him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was right on top of you. He was a, uh, I don't want to say uh, a uh, grumpy old man, but he just ran his store. He ran his store. Just don't you take anything from me. I'll grab it out of your hand, you know. Uh, he was on top of everything. Uh, that's what I remember. I don't, because I, I only went in Burgess Hardware just a couple of times. My dad was there almost three or four or five times a week. Yeah. He was there all the time. And Burgess would come to my dad's store. My dad would do that to people, too. Talking about small towns, uh, the, uh, the small town mentality is that you trust everyone, you help everyone, everyone's your neighbor. You may not like them, but they're your neighbors, you know. You steer clear of them if you don't like them, but if they need help, you'd help them. Mm-hmm. Because we're, we're all in this together. Uh, that's that's why a lot's happening today in Washington about unity. Uh, I don't think people understand uh, how America was built. I saw the press secretary. She answered a question about unity very well. She was asked, you know, this, this plan to sort of fight COVID and um, provide economic stimulus and try to get the economy back on track, it's opposed by every single Republican. So how can Joe Biden say that he wants unity when he's not having any Republicans have a say in the policy? And the press secretary said, well, when he said unity, what he said is he wanted to unify the American people. And over 75% of Americans approve of this policy. 
So he didn't say he wanted to unify the Republican and Democratic parties. He wants to do what's right for the people. If the other party doesn't want to do what's right for the people, well, then he's not going to unify them. (laughs) I think that's a pretty good answer. It's not his job to unify the two parties. If they're going to stand in opposition to him just because he's the opposition party, then he'll do stuff that people want uh, despite the the protests of the other side. Because the leadership of the Republicans don't represent the people that need a $1,400 check. The leadership of the Republicans don't represent the person that wants their student loans forgiven or wants a $15 minimum wage. Uh, the leadership of the Republican Party and the the actual people, they might be miles apart in terms of what they want done. Well, unity doesn't mean you agree on everything. You can agree to disagree, but the unity that's important is the bigger issue of our country. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you uh, try to tear down uh, who we are, uh, that's the unity you need to bring together. We may not agree on everything, but we both of but everyone's going to support a nation that allows people uh, to speak up and speak their mind. But uh, you you can't tear down that right. Mm-hmm. So so unity. Pe- people are using that word uh, incorrectly. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like I think this. Uh, this Thursday, when we have the Gospel Project, we might talk about repentance. People use the word repentance, and they use it, I think, incorrectly, not not the way it's supposed to be used. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of times people uh, use words uh, and put meaning on the words uh, that that uh, either stretch the meaning of the word, or sometimes that's not even what the word means. And sometimes it's the opposite of what the word means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it means division, not unity. Yeah. Yeah. You agree with I what I what I want, and if you don't, well then you're not doing unity. But then you're creating division. It's the opposite of unity. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a good place to stop. We can get back to the vast of night and say a few words. I liked it. I would recommend it. It's on Amazon Prime, and we'll leave a link uh, on our website. To an Amazon Prime subscription, that's an affiliate link. So if you want to click on that, sonsofsequoia.com. Um, it'll help out the podcast. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to add before we leave? Well, I, I, uh, it was a very interesting experience watching the movie, and I, I enjoyed it. Uh, the beginning was disruptive. The ending I didn't like. But when I back and think of the whole movie... I'd watch it again. I'd definitely watch it again, and I'd definitely recommend it. It it was entertaining. It was good. All right. Let me play the Movie Tuesday theme song, and then we can uh, sign off for the day. Here we go. This has been Movie Tuesday. It's time for Movie Tuesday. We did it. Uh, I'll talk to you in the next one. Anything you want to leave the people with? Hey, keep on talking out there. But listen more than you talk.